welcome back to part two of this episode of Care Matters. My name is Obed Tawadzera, and I'm still joined by Breda Maloney from the University College Dublin, Camille Allard from the University of Sheffield, and Winnie Lam also from the University of Sheffield. Uh, moving on, one other thing that's been uh, in the literature lately is um, new technologies. And uh, these have been praised as empowering and uh, have been praised as the holy grail of uh, supporting carers to combine paid work and uh, familial caring responsibilities. In my own research, I can say that uh, it's one of uh, the main things that, are, that is talked about that's helping migrants to sort of like care from a distance. I would like to know from you guys that uh, how do new technologies feature in, in your research? Uh, I'll start with you, Winnie, because your research and my research might have something that links them together here. Is there a way that people in Hong Kong and uh, in the UK are using new technologies to care at a distance? Yes, definitely, Albert. Uh, so uh, for my participants, they often use text, uh, phone calls to keep in touch to maintain the communications with um, the people they're caring for. You know, sometimes they may not be able to physically be at their parents' place. Then they might uh, ring or text to check if they're okay. Also, there was a participant in Hong Kong. She was caring for her uh, mother with dementia. So for her mother's safety, while she was at work, uh, she has to use CCTV to remotely uh, check if her mother is okay. So I guess this um, not only give her a peace of mind that she knows what her mother is doing, is her mother suddenly leaving the house or whatever. Uh, this also, to an extent, ensure the safety of her mother because she can respond really quickly if there is anything happening at home. Thank you, Winnie. It also feeds into what I found out in my own research with our migrant care workers. Because uh, one thing that is normally talked about in care is that care is normally proximate and uh, people don't acknowledge that care could be done even by those who are at a distance. So in my research, I found that uh, most migrant care workers, they utilize a lot of these uh, new digital uh, technologies to maintain the caring relationship uh, with their families. And nowadays, there's quite a lot of a repertoire of, of new technologies, especially that can be found within a, a mobile phone, things like WhatsApp, Skype, Facebook, or Viber, which was, which was some of uh, uh, the applications that most of my participants were using. And this actually allowed migrant care workers to be able to care for their elderly back home, even though it, it is worth mentioning here that uh, there are also like limitations to the way technologies can be stretched or can be used to, to care at a distance because technologies themselves do not initiate the caring. It's the person that initiates the caring. But the caring relationship also uh, requires that uh, psychosocial and emotional connection that's needed. Uh, so sometimes hands-on care is really uh, important and uh, most of my participants actually reiterated this and they said they normally uh, try to reconcile this by trying to visit their parents every now and then if they can find a uh, time. So it's one of uh, the most important things, uh, technologies, especially when it comes to caring at a distance. 
I would like to know again, coming back to, to Breda, uh, we know that young people are normally the ones that are said to be very tech savvy and using uh, these new technologies. In your research, have you found any use of new technologies at all that being used by uh, young people to, to care for their relatives or for their parents or whoever they are caring for? Um, the stage of research that I'm at is at the scoping review stage, um, getting to grips with all the literature and familiarising myself with practices in relation to young carers in Ireland and, and obviously elsewhere in comparison. Not that I'm aware of um, that I'm, I'm coming across technologies. In relation to technology, what I am seeing is that how difficult it is for young people to access possibly technology, whereas maybe if they're at school and they might need to check in on home or that. Um, and as you can appreciate, um, there are guidelines in schools now against the use of mobile phones. So that, as you can imagine, can be difficult for the young person then who might need to check in on their mum or dad or sister or brother or the person that they're caring for. So again, that needs um, some recognition and awareness as well, um, how important technology should feature for the young person in, in the place where they're studying or possibly um, working as well. Again, Family Carers Ireland, um, again, it's about online supports for, for young people. Um, they have um, some workshops and that through their website. And again, that's just to support uh, the young family carer. But I'm not aware of any other major technological advancements. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, real scope for development there also, Robert. And I think that, as you say, with the young population and, and the technology savviness of them, it is um, a spoke that has to be um, certainly looked at. And hopefully through the development of my research and that, and particularly, I think, in the current climate that we're in through the COVID pandemic, you know, how important technology will be to bridge that link and to have that communication mode of support through technology for people um, and certainly young carers or a group that need to be um, included in that discussion as well. So absolutely, yes. Um, and I think as well, finance is something that's something to think about. They may not have the finances to have the latest iPad or or, or even laptop or, or the latest gadget. So I think whatever work is done in relation to supporting young carers, it must be at appropriate price range or access for the young person as well, be it through the schools as a medium or even in their part-time work that they might be involved in or training that I hope should be there for young people, absolutely. Thank you, Breda. Yes, I do agree. Uh, even in my research, I actually found that uh, these new technologies, especially for migrants, they are the important medium through which they demonstrate their commitment to their families. So by being in touch with their families every now and then, they're actually demonstrating their care for their families back home. But maybe to do with, with policy, uh, it might be worth asking Camille if uh, there's anything that organizations are doing in terms of helping working carers to maybe access these new technologies, if you found anything at all, or if you researched anything to look at uh, other aspects of new technologies and how they could help uh, working carers remain in paid employment. In terms of policies and organization support, so far I didn't find any kind of policy directly related to um, technology. However, when we talk about psychosocial factor, I found that people, uh, some of my participants felt just more reassured or just more calm 
uh, when they were able to have their mobile phone uh, during their working hours. Another interesting point, though, when, so when they were allowed to, you know, be able to phone, have a very quick call with the family members, they were much more relaxed by going to their work. Uh, and if the MLI manager were okay with it. Sometimes they were in situations, however, where it was not possible to do so. And it was interesting to see the kind of strategies some of, the, some of my participants could develop. So for example, I had one participant who was forbidden to use his mobile phone because of the nature of his work. He just couldn't have it with himself. However, he was able to have a beeper with him. So what happened is that he asked one of his colleagues to check on his mum for whether she was okay or not. And if his colleague uh, received a phone call from his mum, then the colleague will send him a signal, a signal on his beeper to tell him that he had a care emergency uh, and he needed to stop work and um, go back home. So that was interesting to see that actually technology can sometimes be uh, not shared by one person, the person who cares for the person who is being cared for, but it's a kind of like relational strategy where actually you share technology for people maybe of your family or your co-workers and you try and find strategies to use this technology at your advantage. And I'm sure that during the pandemic, uh, this kind of use and multi-use of technology has even been stronger, I would say. So thank you guys, that was really interesting. Camille, uh, thanks very much for your point. Um, I really agree with you is how uh, people uh, use technology and the way that their strategy to use technology, um, especially during this pandemic, I think uh, technology can come into more help. For example, people might use to go into the supermarket to do shopping for their older relatives, but now they might do more online shopping, uh, arrange delivery for their older relative instead. Um, I can also imagine that there used to be a lot of, let's say, paperwork or data collection work or research work that a carer can do face-to-face, -face, let's say, walk into a community center to get information um, and so on. Um, they will be turned online. So uh, carers will be using more technology to carry out not only shopping, but also to carry out more uh, life administrative work for the people they're caring for during this pandemic. Thank you, Winnie. Uh, and thank you for bringing us to the issue about uh, the pandemic, because it's one that is had an impact on many people and is affecting caring relationships in, in many ways. I agree uh, new technologies uh, have the potential of uh, helping here, especially where people need to be in touch with their relatives, especially if they can't, if they are isolating. In my experience as a, as a researcher and researching uh, the caring relationships at a distance, I've realized that uh, the importance of these new technologies and especially the importance they have for migrants who are far away from their parents uh, to be able to be in touch. During the pandemic, I know a lot of people were getting worried and I've had a few reflections myself about how my participants might be uh, experiencing the pandemic given that most of them work in other people's homes. And in most cases, there's been a lot of uh, care homes that have had to close down or that they've had to 
isolate people and that have to make sure that people don't leave the, the houses that they are working in. So they potentially have been logged in, in other people's houses that they can't be able to be free to go out and uh, maybe call or buy phone cards. And so it's one thing that um, is worth mentioning here. So uh, for my participant, especially those uh, in Hong Kong, uh, some of them are quite relying on foreign domestic helper, which is um, aka migrant workers, uh, to work in their home uh, to care for the older people. So uh, when COVID kicks in, some of the migrant workers might not be able to fly from country A to country B to work. And also, I think because there are soft limitation in terms of household mix, household mixing, uh, so this affect people that they don't live with the people that they are caring for. So if they are living in different households, then first they won't be able to check as frequent in person or of the needs of the people they caring for. And secondly, they will be more reliant on the paid migrant workers who are, who are actually living in the same household with the older person to carry out the care task. So I can see how COVID-19 can impact on both working carers and migrant carers, like the dynamics of the relationship and everything. And just um, I'd like to come in on that point as well in relation to COVID and, and, and where um, the family carer is at with that. And again, just going back to, to my research on, on young carers as well, thinking about where they're at in their in their schoolwork and their attendance at school, obviously with, with the lockdown that can occur and that has occurred. Um, it has been demonstrated that the stress levels have, have um, increased for young people um, because they are at home and they don't have that, you know, inverted commas, break they had, that they would have had by going to school and possibly getting some sort of, you know, relapse from the caring situation. So they're in the home environment 24-7 and um, they cannot meet up with friends either and certainly technology coming in there in relation to the, the supports and that. But again, it's down to um, recognition, I think, and awareness by our schools and that, that they may have young carers in the school who are hidden and that it's about looking at the home environment for people where they will be in and the possibility for young carers that, that they might not have the you know the laptops or the, the iPads at home and um, to do the coursework that's being delivered and the amount of that work that's delivered as well for the young carer because they're in that home environment and they may not get the opportunity or the time or the space even to carry out the work. It is known that the young carers um, tend to be in a, a lower socioeconomic group work and are more prone to, to being in a poverty type of situation. So again, it's just about that link to how the, the pandemic impacts, I suppose, on that vulnerable group of young people and particularly um, at that transitional phase in their life where choices need to be made and decisions become quite significant. And I think... And the aim of my research will be able to highlight that and, and, and highlight that experience so that we can gain an insight and plan for this in the future. And again, just to have that um, reactive stance um, or, excuse me, more, more of a proactive anticipatory stance as opposed to a, a reactive stance. And we're thinking about young people and 
where they will be in the future. And more than likely, every single one of us is going to be a carer at some stage in our life. And that's why I think at this phase of even for non-carers as well, in the adolescent age group, to know that down the line, this is something that might and that you might be faced with. I think preparation um, and awareness is absolutely key um, as well. So going back, absolutely, um, COVID has had an impact, most certainly. And I think we need to treat every situation as individual and try and surmise what's going on in the background for people in their homes um, and how we can um, support that. And we talk about work home flexibility and working from home but it isn't always as, as easy as it's made out. There are certainly challenges there. And again, Camille, you might come in on that point about the progression of the, the work-home and life balance again, particularly for family carers. I mean, in terms of um, has there been any development in that sort of um, area in relation to working from home now and how that impacts on the, on the family carer as well? I think it's really important, as you say, to bear in mind that working from home or flexibility is not like it's not a straightforward process because you need to know what's going on. You need to uh, acknowledge that people's home life may be very different from each other. And that has an impact on the ability to concentrate, ability to have like a quiet space, ability to have the rest of technological economic resource to just be able to work and be able to study. And this is not something which is uniform. So there is a lot of differences. And I think in terms of the current population, again, there were differences, the participants who couldn't receive any resource, any support, and who had very difficult job role, uh, sometimes low wages. So they ha- the pandemic definitely had an impact on them. There was one point which was actually interesting. So I was able to communicate with one of my participants about an organization that I've, I've been studying uh, for my research. So in overall, all, all organizations which are part of my research were really good at providing support. So they all send people home and all told them you can work from home. We're going to support you if you're you know, carrying responsibility, which was really good, really positive. And I think it kind of give a visibility of the importance of support for people's care responsibility. So difficulty is now more now at the moment where we come back to a transition from the lockdown to getting back to work. And the first population to get to get back to work, if we accept the key worker, which are again another area of interest in terms of them combining their work and care responsibility. So again, it tended to be more people who had like a frontline job role or who were in the lower grade of the organization who had to go back to work while there were still not a lot of care facilities, uh, were still closed, school were still closed. So these people were under more pressure to go back to work and still they couldn't actually combine their work and care. So there was a kind of gap here where we need to look at which kind of resources are available to people before we enable any kind of policy or we take any kind of decision because it definitely has an impact on people's ability to combine both care and work. Thank you for listening to part two of this episode. We hope you join us for part three.